Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. That exciting? See all that God's doing? Well, I want to welcome you to Vision Weekend, where really this service is going to be a little bit unique. Uh, we had a little less music at the front, and I want to take you on a little bit of a journey because it is such a significant weekend. It's a significant moment in the life of our church as we're taking steps together. And one of my passions and heart is really that also those of you that have become part of the Milestone family, this could be a weekend where you don't just see what we are doing, but you could really catch a little bit of the why. Because why we do what we do is what causes us to continue to sacrifice, commit, give ourselves to what God is doing in our generation. So I want you to see more than just structures and programs, we want you to see the heart of Jesus. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So you can have all the programs and all the structures in the world, but if Jesus doesn't come and fill those things with his life, with who he is, if he doesn't move in the hearts of his people so that we actually become willing participants, then those things don't really happen. There's empty structures all over the world. So it's not just about those structures or programs or buildings. I just wanna say thank you to you I feel so honored to be the pastor of a church that gets it, that you see what is happening, you see the why behind the what. You've committed yourself to really surrendering yourself to what Jesus is doing in your generation, and every time we get ready to take a step in our entire history, you have stepped up because God uses willing people. He doesn't use the most informed. He doesn't use the perfect. He doesn't use people with no problems or otherwise there would be nobody to use. He uses willing people. He uses people who have actually seen through his scripture, through the spirit of God speaking to you, what is the priority. And when we say yes to him, he always shows up and does amazing things. And I wanna take this moment, again, vision is so important for a church, and even over the last 20 months, what we've seen in our world and all of the disruptions and the challenges, um, as a pastor, I've been a senior pastor for 27 years, I've seen the importance of fresh and anew to keep reminding ourselves why we're doing what we're doing. And so I'm excited about Vision Weekend. And again, I wanna take you on a little journey, show you some more things. And at the end of the service, I'm gonna encourage you, if you can hang around, just use your phone and TiVo the game or something. You know, Just put it on DVR. Uh, it's all good. Anyway, so hang around a little bit here. You're gonna get a chance to witness some real life people who have committed their life to Christ. This weekend, we're baptizing over 50-something people who have given their heart and life to Jesus, that never gets old, okay? It's exciting to see what God is doing. I'm gonna ask if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians 9. Next weekend is our miracle offering. This weekend is our vision weekend. We're taking steps together. It's how we've always done it. 2 Corinthians 9 is gonna give us a little biblical context for it. And I wanna take you back. We just turned as a church 19 years old. 
19 years old in October of 2002, and for so many of you, you're new. I wanna welcome those watching online. We have people watching in video venues. Our Hazlitt campus is joining us, our McKinney campus. Would you guys put your hands together to welcome all of them as well that are joining us. But again, for 19 years, this is who we've been. This is how we've done it. Now, 19 years ago, it wasn't like it is today. Um, we had a small group of people, 32 people, who moved here from Abilene, Texas. I didn't know anyone here. Most of us didn't know anyone. Our community looked very different from what it looks like today. Um, moved here, again, I didn't pastor a church in the area. Um, there were great churches that were reaching people, but we believe God had called us here for a unique expression of who he was through the church. And um, I have to tell you from the beginning, that group of people, even myself, I had invested everything I had in this church. I had group, a group of people who had sold their homes, their businesses. People were a little bit scared, and yet we needed a sound system to meet in a cafetorium. They sacrificially gave 30-something thousand dollars so that we could have church on our first Sunday in the cafetorium. 165 people came, and uh, not a lot of them came back. The next few weeks, we had about 70 people. We were in a cafetorium with an okay sound system that people had sacrificed for. Um, we, had a, we had to buy an overhead projector because we didn't have these great LED screens back here uh, that we have now. We had the overhead, you know, kind of do the dogs, butterfly on there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Coke machines lined the cafetorium. It smelled like hot dogs. I would be preaching one Sunday, the second week, I think, a guy got up and got a Coke. Just do, 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 do. We've learned we can't control y'all. I know we can't. We, we try, but you do whatever you want to. Dude got a Coke. I mean, we're like, serious? We're trying to feel significant right now. We're trying to have church in a hot dog cafetorium. You're getting a Coke. I think we kicked him out. I mean, church discipline, second week, you know, kicked him right out. We needed people, but not Coke getters, so we just we had... But that group of people sacrificially gave so we could move to a little leased building just right there close by. And that, in that little leased building, we parked on the grass. We had about 1,000 people coming. And this is significant for you to get. All this is gonna make sense when I take you through this history. It's important you see what we're doing today is just what we've always been called to do. We had a vision reaching people, building lives. That lost people matter to God. That Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. So his heart is turned toward reaching people. So we're partnering with him in what he's passionate about, and that's reaching people. Building lives comes from the great commission, not the great suggestion. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. In other words, don't just gather, don't just watch content on the internet of preachers talking about stuff that you've never learned how to live. Learn how to invest your life in someone else so that they can learn to live the Bible they read. So we had a vision for building lives, not just reaching people, but building lives. In this first structure that we had, we were self-sustainable as a church. We had like a 1,000 people. So we had plenty of weddings. We had plenty of baby dedications because we were a young congregation. We had plenty of birthday parties to go to. But I want you to see this. Do not miss this, everybody. There was a group there that could have had their own little group who saw a group of people they had never met. They sacrificed for another group of people that they didn't know. 
And they, although we were self-sustainable, this group of people, I wanna tell you, amazing, in two months, our entire annual budget, that little group of people gave so that we could buy a grocery store on 1709 behind Taco Casa. That's the house of the taco. And we had church there. Five services eventually. 3,500 people coming, lots of weddings, lots of birthdays, plenty of stuff to do, plenty of kids to take care of, plenty of church, plenty of people, plenty of stuff we were doing, lots of missional things we were able to do. Our youth ministry was growing, and that group of people, if you've come since we moved into this place, saw you. Now, I, I want you to see this. This was a big step, 50 plus acres, I, we, this, this land that we exist here at the Keller campus, a miracle, $1.89 a square foot, miracle piece of property, went to our congregation, cast the vision on one Sunday, $2.2 million, we went and bought this property. We started a process of investing in what we're a part of today. Over $10 million given by over 3,000 people. I want you to see this. You're like, oh, I, I know why churches, you just build it. You know, you build a building, build it and they will come. No. It's not the building, it's the people in the building that have the life, so when you show up to the building, what's your experience? And I want you to know, that group of people, when they invested, 3,000 of them investing in this place, when we started having services and you meet those people and you come on campus and you feel something different, and wow, these people actually care that I'm here. These people are actually nice. You've all met the person at the front door who's just filling a post because they were made to out of obligation. Hello, I'm here. I don't really even like people that much. I don't even know why I'm doing this. Oh, yeah, there's a seat. Yeah. You ask them, how you doing? They say, blast. Don't do that, it's weird. It's weird. It's goofy. You're like, these are people that are authentic. These people actually act like they love me or care about me. Well, they loved you before they knew you because they invested in something that would help you have a place to come and know Jesus. And so here, we started in 2019 taking steps. Now, along the way, we've helped plant several churches. We have a McKinney campus that joined us along the way. And we also, through your generosity outside of our Beyond Project, through just your general generosity, we were able to pay cash and buy 10 acres of land in Hazlitt because we had some students who got touched by God and got saved and started bringing their friends. And we ended up sending two Greyhound buses to Hazlitt to bring students to our student ministry. And parents said, would you start a campus here? And so we just followed the call of God to a group of people that were being touched. And they're like, it's so hard to fight traffic to get over there. Could you bring one to us? And we paid cash for that land, and then we opened our Hazlitt campus. Shout out to our Hazlitt campus. We opened it a few weeks ago with over 900 people on the first weekend. Amazing. Taking steps along the way. And those are exciting things in our history. Here's, here's the thing I want you to know. You're, there's a lot of ways to do this. Churches do it a lot of different ways. Here's how we've always done it. We're a family. What's God saying? We seek God, we do it together, everyone participates, and God does amazing things when we all come together. That's how we've done it for 19 years. So we're just doing what we always do. There's a lot of ways to do it. You can get just a few wealthy people, or you could 
just borrow a lot of money or you could do this or you do that. We've just always taken our steps together. And what we found is it impacts the culture and environment that you enjoy. What you enjoy is a result of 19 years of doing what God's called us to do in a certain way along the way. Now, as I give the history, I believe I need to give you just the last 20 months because I get questions all the time. Pastor, how's our church doing? Because March of 2020 turned our worlds upside down. I mean, when you look back on the timeline of all of our lives, we'll be like, we lived in the time of a global pandemic, along with all the other challenges and different things we've all been through. So we lived in that time period. And so we look back on the last 20 months and people would be like, how's our church as a result of that? Well, our mission statement, reaching people, building lives. It's not like a cute mantra that we had a consultant give to us, or it's not just some branding statement. It comes from the Bible. It comes from, again, reaching people. Jesus was always going for the one. Seek and save that which is lost. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to Jesus unless God draws them. And so we're a part of how God draws people to that eternal step. Building lives comes from that great commission. Go make disciples, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why we get excited about baptism weekend? Because before Jesus went to heaven, he said, that's what you're supposed to do. So it never gets old to me because every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, that's what Jesus said we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be participating in, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you if you... Do that, I'm gonna be with you in it all along the way. And so that mission statement, I love to say it this way, is not an aspirational statement. It's an actual vision. The great commandment, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. They may look different than you. They may have different problems than you. They may have different circumstances than you. They may come from a different place than you. Love them like God loves them. Reaching people, building lives. So in March of 2020, when that came to our world, we didn't look for what we're supposed to do. We weren't on the internet trying to figure out who we are. We continued to reach people and build lives. Now we had to do some things different. We weren't able to have people here for a little while, and then we weren't able to put people in a tank for a while, so we got bathtubs and horse troughs and swimming pools, because how many of you know? that the kingdom of God cannot be stopped by a global pandemic. As long as there are people who love Jesus, they're gonna find a way to dump folk. They're gonna find a way to live out their mission, no matter how. So we had different venues for prepare, and we had seven locations, and we had to find ways to keep doing what it is that we're called to do. And I'm excited to report to you, in the middle of all of this, since March of 2020, we've baptized 750 people into the kingdom of God. Because crisis introduces you to what you really care about. It introduces you to who you really are. And I wanna thank you for being a church that's on mission, that reaching people, building lives is not an idea, it's a scriptural calling from the very heart of God that you've been living out. And when crisis comes, the church isn't afforded the opportunity to sit around and make comments, talk, gripe, postulate, speculate. Religious people do that, and people who don't know the heart of God do that. They get caught up in stuff 
that was never intended to be the solution to the problem. Can I offer you this for free? If you wanna live a frustrated life, throw yourself into something that was never intended to be a solution. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When you're on mission with Jesus, joining him in what he's doing, then you find fruitfulness. When you're trying to push an agenda your own way that he never intended to be the way, you live frustrated. I'd rather be fruitful than frustrated. And so we kept doing that, and we, had, in the middle of crisis, the church has to show up. Church has to show up to help people. And I'm so thankful for all of you that showed up, 4,000 of you over the last, since March of 2020, serving people in our community. 2 Corinthians 9 gives you a snapshot of who are those kind of people. How do those people think? Because in 2 Corinthians 9, we're having our miracle offering next week. You're like, well, that's exciting, offerings. Why do churches talk about offerings? It's in the book. It's in the Bible. Paul is actually receiving. He sends Titus over to receive a miracle offering from the Corinthian church. It's right there in the B-I-B-L-E. And he starts off in 2 Corinthians 9, and it's kind of humorous, really, the interaction Paul has. You should read it. I don't have time to read you all the verses. But Paul's encouraging them and yet also challenging them. He's saying, your eagerness to help, you're always eager to help, you're always willing to help, I know I can count on you. And he says, but I'm coming and let's just make sure you live up to your reputation. I'm coming to talk to you about this offering that you have planned to give and he's encouraging them because it's impacting the lives of people. But then he goes into what I believe to be something very powerful, and that is the real revelation. And I, and I want you to hear this from me. God's gonna provide every single thing we need for this next step as a church. I know I'm talking to people who don't even go to Milestone Church. There's thousands of people watching me online. I hope you get what I'm saying this weekend, and you attend your church or wherever it is you go, and you are committed to the kingdom purpose and live as a kingdom person no matter where you go or whatever you do. This is a life-changing understanding of what Paul talks about here. In 2 Corinthians 9, he goes on to tell him, each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So he's talking to them as individuals now. He talks about if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. It wouldn't be crazy if a farmer, he's using a seed analogy, if a farmer took all his harvest, bountiful harvest that God's given, God's been extremely good to us since March of 2020, actually. He's taken care of us. He's supplied a lot for us. And if you took all of it and you just put it in your barn and you took all the seed and all the harvest and put it in your barn, and next year when you got ready to harvest, you were expecting another big harvest, Paul's saying here, you're missing how this thing works. He says this, each of you, though, should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's where we're trying to get to is this cheerful place where we're partnering with God. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, I, I don't have time to share with you everything on this because when I read that verse, it burns in my heart because I've had it on the dash of my car since March of 2020. Because here's what I know after many years as a pastor, when crisis comes, the church has to show up. So I knew in this, God was gonna call on us to help others. And I took that verse and I put it on the dash of my car, sometimes two and three times a day, I've confessed that scripture right there. Can I 
be, just give you a report to the faithfulness of God to his word? He will. Look at it. Look what he says. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Why does he want to resource us with what we need? So we can abound and be able to do good works at any opportunity that he gives to us. I remember when we had Ice Mageddon. I remember it. I remember talking to our team. No water. Miraculously, supernaturally, roads closed down, frozen, fuel problems. God supplied for us semi-trailers of water so that you, and I'm thankful to all of you, who've just moved into action to take care of our community. Why? Because God is able. God is able to supply everything you need if your heart's turned toward what he's wanting to see happen in your world in that very moment. And through water, we were able to be a light to 25,000 people in our community because God is able to supply everything we need. And then a lot of y'all got to use your four-wheel drives, you know, because you know, it's like you spend $80,000 on it and you're like, you told your wife or your husband, I mean, I, I'm doing this for Jesus. That's why I got it. I'm doing this for the Lord. Yeah, it's for Jesus. You have everything you need for every good work. And he supplies seed to the sower. You're like, I would like more seed. Well, are you sowing? He supplies seed to the sower, bread for food. He's not trying to take our food. He, he supplies everything we need. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He wants to supply what we need. He even gives us so many things for our own enjoyment. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. But he says, I'll supply for you your food, and I will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. There's this opportunity to live your life as it pertains to God's resources. Or here's some other ways I think that a lot of people come to resources, God, his kingdom, how we participate in that. I think there's a few ways. First of all, some of us, you never get a revelation of how God's economy works. I want more for you than that. Because when you really realize the world's economy is different than God's economy, and God is the source of all things, and when you begin to understand how he works and you join him in his agenda, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. 2 Corinthians 9, some of you are newly saved, and so you're still just kind of sorting all this out. Some of you maybe have been around a while. Some of you have had different things, hurts, pains, Different stuff happened. Maybe you come from a lineage of parents who never taught you how to handle God's resources God's way. Can I say to every parent listening to me, I have grown kids now. One of the greatest deposits you ever make in them is teach them how God's money works. You, want it, you say, I want the best for them. We put them in the best schools and the best stuff and the best learning opportunities. Look, if you want God's best for them, then you want God to increase their seed in the harvest of righteousness in their lives. You want them to know how to partner with him in, their, in his kingdom. You want him to be supplying as they are generous and abounding in every good work. We want to transfer this to the next generation. The next thing is some of us feel obligated. It's like, I just feel this obligation. You ever taken your kids over for like a dinner party at your friend's house and they don't want to go because they don't have any kids their age? And you start at the door, you're like, 
behave. <laughs> You're going to get bored. Don't act like you want anything. Don't even just look like you want anything. <laughs> Sit there and enjoy the adult conversation. <laughs> Boy, they're real fired up. They're like, oh my God. <laughs> How do you think the heavenly father feels when there's an opportunity to do something great in his kingdom and we're like, do I have to? No, you don't. You don't have to. Let me set you free. This thing that we're doing as a church, no obligation. In fact, if you're obligated, there's no blessing in it anyway. Manipulation. We've all seen slick, manipulative appeals where it was like kind of bargaining with God and having a wrong view of God's character. Sometimes we felt manipulated. Paul says, that's not what we're trying to do. He says, don't do this reluctantly and don't do this under compulsion. That's not what we're after. Do you know you can even participate? You know, kind of participate. Wow, you know, the message was good. The pastor was good. I feel like, you know, hey, I did get a free cup of coffee. I think I'll participate. That's not what God's goal is either. There's an old study called Experiencing God. We, years ago, when I was a kid, we were going through this, and we've done it with junior high and high school students. And in this study, Henry Blackaby makes the point, if you want to live a fruitful, fulfilling, cheerful life, find out what God's doing in your generation and join him. Jump all into wherever he's moving. And what I see from Paul here is a combination of do what has been decided, as it says in the NIV. The New King James says purposes or purpose in your heart. So there's this intentionality of connecting with what God's doing in a purposeful way. And then it says in your heart. So that means there's this spiritual tie to the very core of who you actually are, your soul being, your inner person. So this is coming out of your heart and your desire to connect with God. And I always have said it this way. Here's what you do. You pray. You say, God, I'm already all in on your purpose because everything I have is committed to your kingdom purpose. It's all yours anyway. You pray and God shows you in your heart what he's asking you to do. You join him and you know what that produces? Cheerful giving. Some of you are like, I don't know about all that. I don't know about all that. See, it's okay to buy something new, but it can't produce cheerful. If you've ever bought something new, you get it, and then a week later, you're like, well, that kind of wore off. I mean, everybody's buying all their Christmas presents because we're afraid there won't be any supply, so we're just buying, you're just breaking the internet right now. <laughs> There's going to be no Christmas, <laughs> like y'all did with the toilet paper. You brought it all up. <laughs> I wasn't mad you bought the toilet paper. I was mad you bought the cushiony kind. <laughs> you left the sandpaper. Now we're on Amazon. Christmas could be canceled. <laughs> Boxes everywhere. It's fine. Buy your Christmas. It can't produce cheerful. It can't produce, oh, I'm tied to the kingdom purpose. I sense something in my spirit, my heart from God. It's on purpose. I'm participating. Can't produce that. Cheerful giving is a different expression. I want to take just a moment 
because this whole project as well is about reaching the next generation. And everything I'm sharing with you, the revelation of this, we're a church that from the beginning, it's really not even about us. We're trying to transfer these values to them, be it worship, be it service, be it discipleship. We wanna get them engaged in discipleship opportunities. When we talk about spiritual family, spiritual families produce sons and daughters. So I wanna take a moment and show you just a little expression of the heart of God for the next generation. I'm gonna give you a couple of thoughts and then we're gonna witness our baptisms. Watch this with me. One of our values here at Milestone is developing the next generation. Every parent dreams of a great future for their kids. Because of this, our desire is to partner with you in helping your children become who God created them to be. This is a vital part of this next step of our beyond journey. What kids need is development from those that are one step ahead of them to help them reach all that God has for their life. From kindergarten all the way through college, development of these next generation leaders has been a driving force behind our belief that you don't have to wait to be great, you can be a great kid. Kids like Logan. Logan came to Milestone for the first time during our summer VBS program. And the first thing he said to his group leader was, he didn't think God was real. He ends up giving his heart to Jesus after his group leaders invested time in him. He goes home and he tells his family about everything he experienced and his family came to church. And not long after, Logan brought one of his other friends and their whole family to Milestone. Thomas was a high school student that grew up in our student ministry, and he's now pursuing an officer's commission in the U.S. military. He recently reached out to us and told us how God has placed a call in his life to reach his rackmates for Jesus. He said, I can't say enough about how thankful I am for Milestone, the relationships I've built, the ways I've learned to lead better, and how to hear from the Lord better. I'm so thankful for the ways I've learned to share the gospel and lead and love people well. I'm truly thankful for what Elevate and the Next Gen Ministries at Milestone have done for me. Students like Logan and Thomas are in the game. Not only is the next generation reaching their friends and family for Jesus, many of them are looking forward to a life of ministry. So what does this development really look like? Avery was just a kid when God placed a love for worship on her heart when Valerie came into her life to develop her in everything God has for her. Avery, when I first met you, you were about seven or eight years old, and I loved spending that time with you. I loved that I got to know the little girl version of you. I didn't even know how to stand up on a stage and not be awkward or what to do with my hands, what to do with my face, but all I knew is that I really loved worship, and I've always grown up loving that. I've always loved music. Even just going back and watching like home videos, I was always just in the like musical headspace. Anytime that I see like a gift in somebody, I, that's one of my favorite things is working with kids because I get to see in that raw state, getting the chance to really be a part of developing that and just feeling that responsibility of, you know, I get to do this. I get to be a part of Avery's life. What a privilege. I'm just like really grateful for, you know, a leader like you and a, kind of like a second mom to look up to because it's just so cool to see that like people really care about you and people really care about where you're headed or your development and even just like where your heart's at to have someone that 
will get into the nitty gritty with you and just tell you the truth. I remember like somebody came to me and told me like, oh, all these girls, are, there's all this drama, you know, like preteen drama going on. And like, I remember I heard your name in it and it actually was like, uh, no. So I remember I pulled you aside and I said, Avery, I don't ever want to hear your name mixed up in that kind of drama because you're better than that. And that was just my goal, like pull you up. It was a little flip switch in my head. Just the fact that you really felt the need to say that to me really showed me the weight of that. And this is like a problem people can see. It's not just how I feel inside. Like, don't take this as rejection, but take this as something to grow in. I love when kids start getting it, that it's not about us. And when we come to church, we come to church on mission. And that's really for kids' worship team or serving in a kid's environment. You know, you don't have to wait to be great. You can be great and, and serve others right now. I'm singing on the stage, but it's not about me. It's about Jesus, first of all, and it's about pouring out the love of Jesus on these kids and seeing the kids get it. I'm really grateful to know the ins and outs just by watching your life. All the investment and the um, relationship with God that I've developed has really shown in the way that I walk through the halls at my school and the way that I just personally choose to live my life just based on what I've learned from you. Reminds me of, of myself just because when I was young, I had a leader invest in me in that way and helped me to live my life for a purpose, on purpose. I was on mission and as the leader pouring into the next generation and saying, you living that way, my prayer for you is that you'll pour into the next generation. It just goes on and on and on. It's not about us, it's all about Jesus. Exciting. I get so excited about watching these young people and of course our next step is really for the expansion of our sanctuary here at the Keller campus, but we're still excited about this completion of this kids building. Here, here's what we've learned along the way. If you're new and you just wanna know why do we do what we do as a church, the way we do it, how we come together, walk together, do it together, is what we've learned is that, again, God's growing us. God always provides. There's a power in a church when we're all committed to what we know to be Jesus's agenda in the earth. And what happens is it creates an atmosphere when one group of people sacrifices for another that they've never met before. God grows us in the process. You're saying, Pastor, what are you asking me to do? Let me be really clear. Pray this week. Grab your kids, grab your wife, grab your husband. As you're, if you're a single person, pray. This week, pray, ask God, what would he have you do? And you can have that cheerful opportunity if you combine his purpose with your heart being connected to his. Now, I have some good news for you. We set out this next step as a $5 million goal. And because I pastor a group of overachievers, we're, <laughs> we're already $1 million into the $5 million goal. So we're excited about that. So really, the goal is $4 million. 
And so we're, we're believing God, he's gonna be with us to take this next step and more people are gonna be impacted. It's happened every time. Every time we make space, we love people, God's growing us, more people get impacted for his kingdom. It's just that simple. But you may be asking, what's all this about? Some of you are newly saved, so you're just like, I'm just excited I'm going to heaven. Don't you love newly saved people? You wanna go to church with newly saved people, they don't even know what to be mad about because they haven't been church yet and read a bunch of articles on the internet. They were busy sinning. That's what I love about newly saved people. They're just believing God for a parking spot. By God, Jesus is gonna give me one at the front, and he does. Praise the Lord. Need a little extra money, dig in your couch. My gosh, I got $5, let's go to McDonald's. But at some point, if you walk this Christian life along the way long enough, you're gonna say, why are we doing this? This is a lot of work, a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of investment. Why would we not wanna just live at the lake? Why would we not just wanna live in leisure? Why would we invest? Why would we sacrifice? Paul makes it clear in 2 Corinthians 9, he makes it crystal clear to them why they're doing this miracle offering. At the end of it, he says very clearly, 2 Corinthians 9, 12, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, look at this, others will praise God. Others will praise God. I don't know if you're thankful for the moms and the grandmas that prayed for us, the people before us that went to Wednesday night church, Sunday night church, the people that have given before us. No one gets to the place where they're at without the sacrifice of others. One preacher said, if you find a turtle on a fence post, it didn't get there by itself. Because of the service by which you've proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. Some people say, well, it's about the gospel, preacher. Paul says, if you really believe it's about the gospel, maybe there'll be obedience tied to your confession of the gospel. Maybe you'll actually invest what you say is a priority in your life and not just say it's about the gospel, but you'll actually, the specific obedience here is your generosity. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So Paul says, here's what it's all about. Others, others, your family members, maybe your kid, maybe someone you've never met, they'll be impacted. And we're gonna get to witness that right here this weekend. Let me pray for you, Father. We thank you. If there's one person listening who doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, maybe they're online and tuned in this weekend, or maybe they're at one of our campuses or in a video venue. Maybe they're here in this service that I'm speaking to. But if you're not right with Jesus, it's simply about surrender. Maybe he's been drawing you. You can just simply say, Jesus, here I am. I give myself to you. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead. That's the essence of the gospel. He paid a price you could never pay. He's an alive Jesus today who wants to live with you, walk with you, save you, change you. And all you have to do is surrender and say yes to him. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. You just say it. I want you to come into my heart and life and become my Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, let us know so we can help you walk out your new decision to follow Jesus. But Lord, for the rest of us, may we be consumed with your kingdom consumed with your purpose in the earth. It's not even about the phrase reaching people, building lives. It's about what you said is a priority, Jesus. You have your heart turned toward people. You have your heart turned toward 
making disciples. Lord, let us walk together as a spiritual family that keeps your priority our priority, that keeps the main thing the main thing. Let us not get distracted. Let us not get in an unfruitful place and live frustrated. Lord, we wanna prioritize what you have on your heart. And Lord, we celebrate this weekend with all of these who have made this decision to follow you in Jesus' name, amen. Watch this with me. in Milestone and she gave her life to Jesus. I started attending WeStore and that's where I learned more about Jesus. He started to change me. I confessed with my mouth and I believe in my heart. Jesus came into my heart and forgave for my sins and I got baptized in August. Now I have peace in my heart and I'm so thankful to know about Jesus. My name is Tessie and I work for Keller School District as well as serve back in our milestone kids area in our discovery room, which is for our special needs kiddos. I have had the absolute honor and privilege to be a part of three of our kids' baptisms and it has been such a joy to watch them take the next steps with Jesus and accept Jesus in their hearts. God has shown us that there is never a reach that is too far for him. My husband of 12 years grew up without church in his life and made the choice to give his life to Christ. My husband got baptized with my daughter in uh, May of 2020 and six months later, because of my husband's act of faith, I recommitted my life to Christ. We started a small group. We got active in the church. What God is doing in our lives has been life-changing. I remember when I decided to give my life to Christ. It was in uh, the Milestone Kids Prepare, and I was in service. And one of the songs, I was just like, okay, God is not just a person in my life. He is my Lord and Savior. So I decided that I wanted to get baptized with my family, and here I am. I'm doing it with my mom. Happy and amazing. My name is Bill. Super excited to be getting baptized this weekend in front of my wife, family, and friends. I've had a one foot in, one foot out kind of relationship with Christ for many years now. Came to Milestone a while back and just felt something different. Just recognized that I was wanting to come to church. I was excited to hear the message. I was excited to share the message with friends and family. And uh, I decided it was time. It was no more living on the fence. I gave my life to Christ. And since then, things have just been different with me, with my wife, with my family, just in all aspects of my life. And uh, I'm a little nervous about this next step, but really excited to see what God has for me. My name is David Rezende. I've been attending Milestone for the last three years. Uh, my family and I, uh, we came in through 101, 201, 301, and started very quickly making a lot of friends and connections, truly experiencing what we call spiritual family, some lifelong friends uh, that have been with us through so many different steps. Baptism, I couldn't be more excited for it. Uh, it hasn't been a, an, an easy journey, uh, but one that I'm tremendously proud of. And very recently, God has been really nudging me uh, on my pride and, and saying, instead of asking, why should you, should you ask, 
why shouldn't you uh, show in front of all your friends and family and church, and most important, in front of my, my boys, uh, getting on that tank and getting baptized and proclaiming from the rooftops that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. So I couldn't be more excited of doing that this weekend with my two oldest sons, uh, Noah and Gavin. I'm tremendously proud of the example that is gonna set on my household, uh, that me, the father, the, the dad, uh, the husband follows God with all of my heart. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.